Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Real Romance. I'm your host, Robert, also known as Banffing Bob, and here with me is my lovely wife, Brittany. Hi! So, today we are going to talk about the thing that is coming up on everybody's to-do list on the, uh... I think it's the 25th? Yeah, primetime TV, and that is the Oscars. It's not this weekend, but the next weekend. Yeah, the Academy Awards. It's not like Oscar the Grouch or Oscar Isaac or Oscar <laughs> Newton. No. I really... <laughs> Oscar Newton? I don't know. I was thinking of Isaac Newton and I put them together. <laughs> That's because Oscar Isaac, Isaac Newton. <laughs> Password. I like it. No, but that would have been really great. We should have done that. Recorded just movies about Oscars with actors named Oscar. That Fuck you, Oscars. I'm going to watch movies with Oscars in it. That would have been funnier. It definitely would have. But no, we're going to talk about the Academy Awards and what makes the Academy Awards watchable and fun. But also the things that make Oscars absolutely terrible and horrible to watch and a total slog for people who actually really like fun blockbuster popcorn flicks. Did we watch the Oscars last year? We watched like a tidbit of it. I think I watched like one or two clips from the awards, but that we, was it. I feel like we recorded it and then went and skipped to all the parts we wanted to see and that was it. Right, because I mean the red carpet is fun and watching like some of the little skets, sketches between it all. Are they their the host thing? Well, they didn't sometimes, have a, sometimes they're funny. Well, they didn't have a host last year, right? And they're not gonna have a host this year, I don't think. Right, right. Let me just start the process by telling you how things get nominated. Approximately, there are eight thousand filmmakers and film producers, actors, etc., in this membership group. They go about selecting by actors selecting best supporting actor, best actor. Actors get to. Su- to pick actors, directors get to pick directors, sound editors get to pick sound editors. And so on and so forth. Now for best picture, everyone gets to pick. And basically you get to pick up to your five favorite best picture nominees. I know for best picture it's ten, for everything else it's five. And you get to submit it in and basically they sort them all out into this pile where uh, essentially who, whoever your number one pick is is who they sort it by, and then the one with the most number ones gets picked, and then they do this whole complicated system, just like, which state is it that does that voting weird? There's like three or four of them, but it's like, it's crazy because they like throw everybody into these groups, and then they vote, and then they see who has the most support and kick out all the outliers. And they move them around. They do it again and again until finally they have enough to... allocate votes to people. Essentially, that's how they pick the nominees until they've reached the nominee total that they need. The magical number. Like, you know how it's like 273 to win yeah. for the presidential? It's They're like looking that. for that 273 to get the best picture. It's all very complicated math. It's all done by hand and it's all done by an accounting firm. With that, you think, well, how do you get your movie nominated then? There are some key things that you can do to make your movie what would be considered Oscar bait. Number one, make a movie slightly over two hours long. Now, you don't want it too long, but you do want it over two hours because that means it's important. And the Oscars love important shit. But I mean, like, somewhat long, they like. Right? You've got your Gone with the Winds, your Titanics, things like that. Well, those are, like, four hours long. Right. So they like long movies. They're not afraid to sit there forever. A longer movie makes you more important. Quantity over quality, in uh, my opinion. In the Oscars' opinion, 76% of movies since 1960 nominated for Best Picture have been over two hours long. Jesus. And that's just nominated, not winners. No, not winners. Uh, 93% are dramas. 
Mm-hmm. Only 2% are action-slash-fantasy movies. Jeez. That's not very many. Act An actor is actually nine times more likely to get nominated for a drama film than a any other type of genre. So I think it's really interesting. <laughs> I'm just saying, so while Robert Downey Jr. is going to the bank, Joaquin Phoenix is like, I'm going to get an Oscar. <laughs> Honestly, at the end of the day, like, Oscar, that's cool. But, like, money's cooler. An Oscar won't feed you. Because, you, you know, you're not even supposed to sell those. If you get rid of your award, you're supposed to give it back to the Academy. I don't know. I'm not sure exactly how that works. No, but, but I do know you, you're not allowed to, like, sell them. But, yeah, that, that's crazy. It's, like, all the movies that we love going to see are, like, never, ever going to get Best Picture. Now, so, you know, for this podcast, we're not talking about Best Makeup, Set Design, Score. This is specifically for Best Picture. So, sometimes there will be a, a comic book movie like Dark Knight where Heath Ledger will win Best Supporting Actor. But Dark Knight was not nominated. Yeah, we kind of felt like picture. picking Beck's best picture really just showed like the best of how the Oscars really feels for movies because sometimes they'll throw a bone to a superhero movie or a horror movie or something. Suicide Squad won an Oscar, okay? Damn. Like I'm mad about that. For still. real. There are a couple qualities that are found in 89% of Oscar movies since 1980. Here they are. So you want to look at your source material. You're going to want it to be historical in some way, most likely based on a true story. They like period pieces, you know, with the fancy costumes and the elaborate set design. That's something the Oscars right, is super like into. It's like your Ben-Hur and all that. Um, they also like historical biographies in particular, and you do get bonus points if they have a disability, if they, you know, Stephen Hawking it up, like, you know, is definitely something the Oscars are like, oh. Did Ray get nominated for an Oscar? I do believe it did. With you know, it, I know it did, because Jamie Foxx used that movie in his, I think he won, he used it to get a raise on a Miami Vice, I think. Is that the, I think, I it was remember. some movie that started with the word Miami when he was in it with another actor and the other actor was getting paid more and he was like, nah, I just want an Oscar. I don't want to fly commercial and I want a bigger paycheck. And they said, okay. An Oscar can be good for your career. Statistically speaking though, it is better for men to win Oscars than women because women just don't find that many roles after... They turn forty. You know if you know what Jennifer Lawrence did with her Oscar from Silver Linings Playbook? Ah. She she became Katniss and Mystique. She was already Katniss before Silver Linings Playbook. She was? Okay, I was about to say. She was already doing both of those. You know what Jennifer Lawrence did with her Oscar? She put it in a closet somewhere because it didn't get her any roles. Uh, not wim- really. Women are not paid very well compared to their male counterparts. Winning an Oscar for as a woman really doesn't help your career that much because Oscars statistically are used to boost, you know, your pay rates. So, like, a director that's won Oscars, you know, they can be like, well, I demand more money because look at these Oscars I won. And, you know, Oscars bring in money to a movie. As, that's why you want your movie so late in the year so that when it gets Oscar-nominated, people can still go see it in theaters. But when you go and see Justice League, do they say... Co-starring Oscar winner Amy Adams. No, but, well, they, but, but that, were... that's not who they're toting, right? They talk about no, if it was a dude, Ben Affleck. Though. Ben Affleck is the Oscar winner. Ugh. Right, Amy Adams has been nominated four times. Yeah, an and, amazing actress. And it doesn't matter because she's a woman. 
They will do put that on everything, though. They put that everywhere. An Oscar nomination is almost as good as a win because they can put that on their movie and be like, look, this was an Oscar-nominated movie, and then it sells more movie tickets, more DVDs, more everything. It's in the same way that, you know, you have a big hit movie, and then it's like, from the studio, that brought you super bad. You're like, oh, okay, I like the movie super bad, so I'm definitely going to go see Pineapple Express. You or know whatever. that Suicide Squad puts that on every single thing they sell. Oscar winner, Suicide Squad. Even if it is for costume design. It didn't matter. Even though the costumes weren't that great in that movie. No. All of the Marvel movies, such good... No, granted, Black Panther did get nominated. But it's the only one. For costumes. You can't tell me that uh, there aren't other amazing costumes in the rest of the movies. Oh, for sure. But they don't want to admit it. Better than Suicide Squad? Marvel movies are what they call popcorn movies. Essentially, it means that the general public loves them, but the award ceremonies don't give a shit. Right, unless you talk about the Kids' Choice Award or the MTV Movie Awards. See, I'm much more likely to want to watch the MTV Movie Awards because they go to the ones that people in movie theater yeah, seats because, are actually well, watching. people get to vote for those. Right. Who gets to vote for MTV? You and I. We get to vote for the MTV Who Movie Who votes for the Academy Awards? Old white dudes. As a general rule, because it's really hard to get accepted into the Academy you, there's like a whole process where you either have to have done some your particular profession for so long that you can get nominated into it. If you do get a nomination, you're almost always asked to become part of the Academy. If you don't, you have to get like sponsored by like a bunch of different people. It's yeah. very complicated. It's a bunch of bullshit. So let's talk about the first movie that we watched that was a best picture. Right, so we watched five Oscar-nominated best pictures. The first one was Promising Young Woman, which we watched, I think, maybe three episodes back. It was we, a few episodes ago. Right, but we, we watched it. We really enjoyed it. It's all about female empowerment and, you know, revenge for a, a rape story. I really thought they were going to just gloss over this movie. Yeah. Though I do know that there was a bunch of people that were snubbed for Oscars. But honestly, at this point, does it even matter if you're snubbed? Because really, the Oscars, the Oscars are dying. There's a bunch of white men voting for these movies that no one cares about. But the thing is, is like, the, the more people feed into, oh, I have to win an Oscar, the more it's keep going to go. I actually like things like Sundance and things like that because they're indie films and that they are judged based on their merit and not because it's made by a big studio or because it has the big name actor or whatever the case is. How many films have we watched that were made by, like, you know, smaller studios, and it's like, oh, Sundance film winner, and they were so much better than Oscar winners. You remember when we saw Alpha? I liked that movie a lot. Uh, Summer of 1984 was a good one. Oh, God, that was an amazing movie. If you have not seen Summer of 1984, that movie is fantastic. Right, and we haven't seen it, but 8th Grade also, um, that was one that was really popular. We couldn't see it. It wasn't in a theater near us, yeah, and Bo, it was unfortunate. that was Bo Burnham's baby. Apparently, it was just, like, phenomenal. Bo Burnham was in Promising Young Woman. Right. But I don't think he got a nomination for it. Nah. The five movies that we watched were Promising Young Woman, Mank, Judas and the Black Messiah, The Trial of the Chicago 7, and finally... No Bad Land. Right, No Man Land. Now, how many of these would you say that you enjoyed? Really enjoyed? Two. Somewhat enjoyed three and maybe... A little bit. Nomadland. I'll tell you, I sort of enjoyed Nomadland, but I really only enjoyed The Trial of the Chicago 7 and Promising Young Woman. Are those the two you enjoyed? Yeah. 
They were the best two movies. But neither of those is going to win. But see, best does not apply here. It's not about which movie is best, even though that's the name of the movie. No. It's which ones the people who are voting see as the most worthy of an Oscar, I to guess. To be fair. To be fair. There were a couple movies we did not watch because we did not have time or access. This, uh, The Father, Minari, and Sound of Metal we did not watch. I cannot speak for those movies, so we will just pretend they are not nominated. Uh, no offense to them. They might be great movies. I don't know. We right, didn't watch but, them. So there were only eight nominees this year for Best Picture. Yes. Which is not surprising considering it was 2020, the year of our Lord. Also, coronavirus... I will say that the real winner of the Oscars this year is Netflix, as they got nominated for a lot of things. Uh, good for them. They right, deserved it. That's what people had access to this year. So they put out movies just in spades. Just so much good content from Netflix this year. So the first movie that we'll talk about is Mank. Now, full disclosure, we could not finish this movie because it was so boring to us. Well, couldn't finish. Did not want to finish. Because it was uh, this a nightmare. This movie follows this writer, Mank, and he wrote Citizen Kane, which is supposedly the best movie of all time. I have not seen that movie, so maybe seeing that movie would make this movie more interesting. Right, but it was it was made in the 30s, and so this whole movie is set as though it was a film made in the 30s, meaning black and white. It's a period piece. It is a biography. It's all the Oscar bait, you know, markers there. It stars Gary Oldman, who is just a very acclaimed actor. I'm pretty sure he's won an Oscar. If not, he's definitely nominated. Oh, he's won Oscars. And he, uh... He stars alongside Amanda Seyfried, who we only saw for a short while because... She was in it later, too. We just I, I'm sure that she was in it for even more later in the movie. No, we just didn't... I mean, that she was in it for scenes we watched, but she was so just not noticeable in those scenes, it didn't even matter. Yeah. But there was a lady wearing tassels instead of a shirt. That was weird. It made no sense. This movie, to me, encapsulated everything I hate about Hollywood in that there was essentially only white men running the entire movie and show like and they were pretty much did not give a fuck about women no and i mean it's set there's a lot of like movie sets and things and flashbacks but the movie itself is set when mank uh mankowitz he is sick he's just had surgery and he's no, he an, was in a car accident yeah but he was he's an alcoholic and so like he's trying to stay off the juice the whole movie is them trying to keep him from drinking so that he can write this movie right but he keeps flashing back to different scenarios and things that he's done in his past in the movie industry. Well, you know that Citizen Kane was essentially a biopic of his life. No, I didn't. That. Yeah, it was kind of based on everyone around him. And you know that the character that Amanda Seyfried plays gets kind of screwed over because in Citizen Kane, the character loosely based on her is a terrible actress. To say this movie was endearing would be just the worst lie I've ever told. Right, and, and that's not to say that the performances are bad or anything. It's so boring. There's nothing exciting about it. Now, I will say that it does commit to the period piece. So, like, there will be a car crash. Instead of showing the fire and the explosions, they just, like, cut to black and then reappear. And the as car they're... is upside down. Exactly. Like, they don't, they don't worry about special effects or big set design. They... Probably could have done this on a budget of, like, $5 million. Well, that's probably why it's a Netflix movie and not a big-budget theater movie. Yeah, but it's still nominated for Best Picture, so they must have done something, right? I mean, I guess if you're into that sort of thing, you would like it, but I just... We're not. I didn't like any of the characters. Yeah? 
I couldn't follow the story because I was falling asleep. Another movie that you weren't really following along too well with was Judas and the Black Messiah. And let me tell you why I didn't think this one was more entertaining. And I really think this movie was a miss for me simply because of my poor education. Not my fault, but it is systemic racism that I don't know anything about the Black Panthers. I don't know how many of you got a good education on the Black Panthers, but when I went to school, I was taught exactly like three things. Uh, Malcolm X was the founder and like leader. I mm -hmm. Is that true? Yeah. Um, he died. He was murdered. And uh, the Black Panthers were a violent group that wanted to terrorize society. Yeah, see, I was always, I always, always taught they were like terrorists and the antithesis of Martin Luther King. King is seen as like a absolute hero, but the Black Panthers are just seen as like rebel rousers and gun carrying. You know, they want to burn down things. They want to kill cops and white folks. Like they're just terrible, awful people. But really, watching the movies that we saw for the Academy Awards. There's much more to it. I wish that this movie was more of a documentary style movie than what it was. Um, and that's just me. There are probably people out there that really like this movie. I think overall it wasn't a bad movie. It just was not for me. Because I feel like while I was watching it, I was like, I don't... What's the significance of these events going on? You're, like, disconnected because you have no background, right? Exactly. I felt like I'd missed either a prequel or a 30-minute intro into this movie. I felt like I missed a lot. Uh, but essentially, the movie is following this FBI informant. Basically, he gets pulled over for stealing cars. Because he's impersonating an FBI officer. And they're like, we're either going to throw you in jail for, like, seven years or... You can follow Fred Hampton with the Black Panther Party in Chicago, give us inside information to try to bring them down. And over the course of months, if not years... It's years because it follows Fred Hampton not only meeting his wife, but they get married, they get pregnant. He goes to he prison. He goes to prison for several years. M months. Because she's still pregnant, remember? He, oh. he goes back to prison after that, remember? Oh, yeah. I remember. So he goes... Basically, Fred Hampton... Uh, is arrested on some BS charge. I don't even remember what and it was. And that seemed to be the case for most of them. The whole movie was just basically the cops shooting black people for no reason. And I definitely got what this movie was going for, and I got the horrible message out of it. I just feel, like I said, I would have rather watched a documentary about this story and got the true story told by people that were there. Now, there was a true story told. There was an interview done of the main character who was the informant. His name was Bill. And he did an interview, and it was aired in, like, 1992. And the night it aired, he killed himself. Because he was so, like, a, I assume because he was ashamed of what he did. Yeah, because, I mean, he was just seen as nothing but a rat. A race traitor. Whatever you would call it. He infiltrated people who were trying to make significant change... And in return, they were all murdered. And he did not want to be doing this, but he... It was would, the only way he could stay out of jail. He was a victim himself. He would have been killed himself. There, there were no good choices for him. And I think that's what the whole movie boils down to, that there were not a single character here that had a good choice that would save them. Right. Okay, so Oscar bait, right? This was a period piece. This was a biography. This has Oscar-nominated actors in it because uh, Daniel Kaluuya... Uh, Kaluuya not a drink. Yes. Uh, he, he was nominated for Get Out. Lakeith 
Uh, what's his last name? Lakeith Stanfield? Yeah, Lakeith Stanfield. He should have been nominated for an Oscar in Sorry to Bother You. While I hated that movie, it was definitely a snub for the Academy on that. Uh, because it was really, like... It was really... I liked that movie. It was until, neurological. Until the Army Hammer twist. Yeah. And we don't speak about Army Hammer because we have no, no idea he, what's going on there. He's cancelled. But yeah, the, the whole idea is that they hit... They hit all the things that you needed to do. It was definitely a drama, but it also had like kind of mafia war and there's nothing feel to it. that an old white man loves more than a mafia movie. Yeah, but you know what else was a biographical period piece about Black Panthers with Oscar-nominated sort of. actors, all that shit, mm-hmm. The Trial of Chicago 7. It's it, not the same movie. It's a very, very different movie. It... It only touches briefly on the Black Panthers, but they are involved, and you do see a couple of the same characters. Fred Hampton is in this in that movie, right? And so, you literally watch these two movies nominated for Oscars in the same year, and their stories intersect. In the Trial of Chicago Seven, a very brief history. Vietnam sucked. A lot of people hated it, and so before the Democratic National Convention of '68 where they nominate who's going to go against Nixon, they had a huge protest outside of the White House, or in Chicago, where they did their thing. And because there was all this anti-Vietnam protesting, riots broke out, and they arrested eight men for inciting the riot. Right, but you say eight men, but I thought this was the trial of Chicago 7. We don't count the blacks. Yes, Bobby... Or or regular, the, the black. The single black guy who was... Arrested with the group because he was there. And he wasn't even there during the riot. Bobby Seale was arrested and he was put on trial because they wanted someone to scare the jury. I mean, he insisted that was why and he was probably not wrong. Yeah, and the whole movie, the whole time he's there at least, his lawyer is in the hospital recovering from gallbladder surgery. No. And they won't let him have his lawyer. This judge... Good God. Now, we did look up what is true, but for our for this podcast, we'll talk about what happened in the movie. Yeah. The judge would not let him have a continuance to wait for his lawyer. He would not separate the cases so that they could wait for his lawyer for his case. And he would not let him represent himself. He kept insisting that there was a lawyer next to him. And he was like, yes, but that is not my lawyer. Now, why is this important that it's not his lawyer? Because the other seven people were actually there. And of course he wants to distance himself from them. Because their cases and his cases are very different. Right. It's like apples and oranges. He is a very innocent orange. And all these apples are rotten. That's kind of a weird, like, analogy. But it's true. He did nothing wrong in this particular case. Right. He did nothing wrong. He came, he gave a speech, he had dinner, and he left Chicago. When the riot happened, he was not in Chicago. But yet, because he was a head of the Chicago Black Panthers, correct? Yeah. He was charged in inciting violence and a riot. Right, now they did it. Now this is the real life version and they didn't touch this on the movie. But in his speech, he was like, if a cop is beating you to death and you turn around and shoot him, good. Keep shooting, right? Because it's all about protection of your own self. That sounds bad, but you have to think of when they were living, cops were killing black people all the time. (laughs) Were? 
I mean, that's still happening. Yeah, Why are you fucking talking. But about? even worse back yeah. then. It was even worse. They didn't have body cams back then, so it was all the cops' word versus the black folks, and they didn't have the lawyers nor the, the oh. societal standing to win. At least now we have the good sense to get outraged about it. Yeah. I mean, not that we can do anything. As, yeah. as we speak, the uh, George Floyd trial is in the process of going on. Yeah, and there's been like a ton of new stuff in the news. So, yay America! Oh, well, um, no, soon enough, I suppose. Right. But the other seven, there are two who are member of the young hippies, essentially. Yippies. And, yippies, and then there's a couple that are in charge of the uh, Democratic Student Society, mm-hmm. right? And then there are two that were just there. Mm-hmm. And the last guy, he was like a Boy Scout leader. But who, he organizes uh, He protest. organized the protest because they are conscientious objectors to the war. Now, Vietnam was fucking awful. But the story itself follows the trial. It was a kangaroo court. Here's how I know Vietnam was awful. Because I couldn't give you a single reason why we were involved in that war. If you don't have a reason to go to war, then why are you in it? The government is so afraid of communism that we will literally go to war with anyone. The only reason we're not at war with China is because we get so much stuff from them and our economy would collapse. Yep. This movie had everything. Dan Cortez. (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, but for real, it did have a lot of star-studded people. It had Sasha Baron Cohen and Eddie Redmayne. Michael Keaton had a uh, role in this. John Carroll Lynch. Like, so it had a lot of people that you've seen before... And a lot of people you haven't... In- Joseph Gordon-Levitt was in this? Exactly. So there were so many different people. And basically this movie went on to show that essentially this trial was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. The judge was so biased. No, and everyone they brought to the stand to make a case against the Chicago 7, or 8, but the 7, they were all plants from the government. They were seeds. They were planted to dig up stuff before a crime was ever even committed. Right, no, and another thing is that that's where the national stage was. That's where all the cameras were. So they wanted to be in front of the cameras for the Democratic National Convention. But the police would not let them have a permit to talk. Right, and the city denied it, and so you have all these different groups of people with a common cause, and they're all pissed, and there's police brutality happening, and then they fight back and start a riot, and the police clearly stared at the riot. But they don't want to admit that in front of the jury because then it will sway towards the Chicago 7 getting off, which should have happened. Now, Bobby Seale, the black guy, is at one point, because he keeps objecting because he doesn't have a lawyer, in case you forgot. And because they're painting him in a light that would put him in with the others, which he was not involved with. After Fred Hampton dies, and Fred Hampton is giving him legal advice throughout this, the reason Bobby Seale is put in prison while the others are all out on bail is because he was also being framed for a murder of a cop in Connecticut, which he later gets off on. Yeah, and he ends up having just like something like 20 or 30 counts of contempt of court. And a lot of them have it. At one point, he is literally tied up and gagged. And this happened. In real life. In real life. In the movie, it's only shown for a couple hours. But in real life, it was several days where he was brought to court gag over his mouth, tied up. Yeah. and it Like led, a lynching. It led to one of the other lawyers being like, this is torture, and this is horrible. Yeah, and so, long story short, is it, it is explores the people who are at trial, and what they have to go through to try to win, 
and how it's entirely impossible because everyone's fucking racist. They end up all going to jail for like five years. No, they get sentenced five years, but then they overturn their conviction. Yeah, I remember that. It's in dialogue at the end. Like, you know in how the there's... script. Yeah, it's scripted on the in the end. So I missed that part. I'm sorry. It is really sad. Several of them end up pretty sad, though. Like, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen's character, Abby, later kills himself after yeah. prison. So Meanwhile, Eddie Redmayne's character, like, becomes a representative in California for, like, Tom, seven terms. Tom Hayden. So, so go figure. I like this movie quite a bit. I thought this movie was moving. I thought it depicted just things, bad mm-hmm. things that were happening back in the day. Right, because and... even though it tells a story similar to what was in Judas and the Black Messiah, like they're both period pieces and things, this has more in-depth character development, better flashbacks. It gives you a wider picture of what's happening in Vietnam and America. Honestly, I thought the performances were just top-notch. They like, were. They were fantastic. It was really good. Obviously, this movie is changed a little because it makes for better movies. It does make you curious as to the truth. And so after we watched the movie, we Googled to see exactly how accurate it was and we learned some stuff. Right. And I thought that was nice. That's mm-hmm. what I want out of a period piece. I want to be interested enough to Google it afterwards and learn the real true story. Now, the last one that we watched was a movie called Nomad Land, which was very, very different than all the others. This isn't based on a real story. It's not a period piece. Unless you count, like, 2014 being a period piece. It doesn't have any big celebrity names. It's all pretty uh, C-list actors, right? The, some of them you notice from things. The, but the main actress n- is... But nothing you can name. It's Frances McDormand. But it's a story about a woman who... She was in a plant, and the town collapsed. She lost her job, and she lost her husband. He died. And she couldn't afford to live in her house anymore because the economy crashed there. So, rather than just starve to death, or lean on other people's good graces, she became a no-bad, where she travels across the country in her van, gets little part-time jobs to pay for things like gas and food, and lives on her own with no house, no property, just what's in her van. Right? I mean, it is based on real stories. It's based on a non-fiction book. It's just not like... I don't think the story itself is a true story, but it's just a general story of how some older Americans are being failed. Like, we are failing them because they work and work and work and then suddenly their factory closes down and they don't have anywhere to go. They can't afford to stay in their house. They can't afford to go into a any other house. So what choice do they have but to travel around the country making as much money as they can, living out of their vans, living out of uh, trailers, living out of... The rich ones get RVs, but they, they go to national parks, they... they roam the country, they meet other people who do this, and they create relationships with people who live the same lifestyle that they do. Most of them are grieving over the loss of loved ones, which is why they're on their own. The main character is a very sad story. Her story, just like, it was so just depressing. Yeah, and, I mean, there are some side characters, but none of them stick around for too, too long. But a lot of them actually come back several years down the line. Right, how many years do you think this covers? I would say, uh, I think it call it uh, maybe two years. Yeah, I would almost say three years, but two maybe it. Well, because it can't it can't be more than a year, can it? Because she we only see her at the seasonal. She works at a seasonal Amazon job, and she does that twice. Right, but then she also like lives a little bit past that. So maybe within a two year span. Yeah. She has heirlooms from home that she takes with her everywhere. She ends up getting kicked out of truck stops. She almost like freezes to death. 
her van, like, what has, not a tire thing, but she has a mechanical problem with her van and ends up, like, being stranded. There's a lot of sad things that happen. Yeah, basically, like, people are like, well, why don't you just get a new van? Or Because I put a lot of money into making this one livable, you know? Yeah. And it's just really depressing. Yeah. That's the only reason I didn't like this movie more, not because it wasn't amazing. Because this movie, I would say, had the best... I, I think she did the best job out of all the actors because it was essentially just her. It was a character piece. There was no there was no special effects, no shiny, big budget, anything. It was just a story of an average American living the best that she can and the dramas that come with it. And it's not like, oh no, the big boss banker's trying to get me. Like, no, it's just normal everyday shit that people have to struggle with. And that's what made this so relatable and such a good film for me. Was it fun to watch? No. <laughs> this was not fun to watch. But I did get a lot out of it, I It feel. was so sad, and I I really felt it when, like, she was, like, going to this, like, nomad retreat, kind of, and they were, like, teaching each other, like, how to, you know, how do you find a place to park that's not going to kick you out, and what's it, what are the best places to get seasonal work, and stuff like that. What kind of stuff can you make? Uh, what kind of bucket should you keep in your van for the bathroom? Yeah, and... it's like you, you can you can sell carved soap on the side of the road if you want to. Like, just weird stuff. A lot of gemstones. Yeah. Overall, it was, a, it was a good film. It wasn't fun, but it was a good film. And I think as far as Oscars go, this is the type of thing you would see nominated for an Oscar. You I, know? I think she 100% deserves to win an Oscar. Now, I don't know about the film, but I think uh, Francis deserves one. Now we're going to talk about the Oscars as a whole. Of the five that we watched, which do you honestly think has the best chance of winning the Oscar? Be honest. Mank's going to win the Oscar. I think either Mank or Judas and the Black Messiah are going to win of the five we watched. I think uh, they'll give the nomination to uh, Daniel. I think he'll win Best Supporting Actor. And then they'll feel less guilty about giving... Everything else to white people? Yeah. I, I can agree to that. Which do you think has the least chance? I'll tell you, Promising Young Woman is not going to win the Oscar. But it was nice that it was nominated. I suppose. But if you're going to nominate something just for the sake of nominating it with it no chance of winning, it's almost like a pity nomination. Promising Young Woman is not going to win because it felt too close to reality for many men. And they're going to be like, well, you know, that woman was drunk, like... And they're going to be like, that woman's aggressive. She's nasty. She, she talks bad about nice guys. I'm a nice guy. Yeah. So yeah, bullshit. Because you know that it's secret voting, so it's not like anyone's yeah. going to call you out on it. Right. But, okay, so looking at our favorite movies versus the things that are in the Oscars, very little overlap there. <laughs> You're not wrong. Right. So what do you like? Horror? Horror movies. I actually looked up statistics on how many horror movies win Oscars, and I will tell you there is only one that has ever won Best Picture, and it is Silence of the Lambs. And that movie, I'll tell you why it won the Oscar over other horror movies. It's because it kind of was controversial at the time, and it is an almost entirely white cast as well. And it's not like a slasher horror film or a fantasy horror film. It's not like Jaws or Freddy Krueger or something. It is a real-life type villain who does real-life type villain shit. And that's what makes it a horror film. But there were other horror films that were nominated or should have been nominated. There are six horror movies that have been nominated for Best Picture. Six pure horror movies. Not just movies that are, like, sort of horror. Because, like, 
There's Par- some that are scary. Parasite is not considered a horror movie, though it is creepy. Um, so, The Exorcist, Jaws, Black Swan, Get Out, and The Sixth Sense have yeah. all been nominated uh, for Best Picture. But now, I was just thinking, like, how could something like, I don't know, The Birds not have been nominated? Or Psycho. You've not seen The Birds. Uh, it scarred my mom for life. She's in her 60s and still is fucking terrified Now, I would agree with Psycho. Psycho is a phenomenal movie, and that movie changed a lot of how we make horror movies today. Mm-hmm. And I do think that that movie should have been nominated. But Hitchcock did not get nominated for any of his horror movies. Yeah, because he was seen as a popcorn flick kind of director. He, he did get nominated for some of his, like, mysteries, thrillers, but just not his horror movies. Yeah. I'll tell you that Misery didn't get nominated for Best Picture. It did get nominated for Best Actress, which Kathy Bates 100% deserved to win. Mm-hmm. She deserved that Oscar. I, like, I don't care what else was nominated she did that so year. so good. That, that movie's amazing. Remember when I made you watch that? Yeah, That was no, so good. I, I didn't regret it at all. Really good movie. I mean, we love horror. We love action-adventure and fantasy and sci-fi. And as far as, like, fantasy goes, like, Shape of Water won a little while ago. And we know Lord of the Rings won. Return in, of the Kings, I yeah, think? Mi- yeah, the third one. Uh, mid, Mid-2000s or something. Yeah, and we looked at uh, tr- true sci-fi films. Mil- Films that have been nominated for Best Picture. Now, uh, what, what's true sci-fi versus like, like it's sci-fi that doesn't have another like category that gotcha. it would fit into? Okay, that makes sense. So we've got Star Wars, we've got E.T. Uh, and Clockwork Orange, and then you've also got movies kind of like Avatar and District Nine that were nominated. We're not not that were nominated for stuff, but weren't necessarily like real sci-fi. Yeah, but the ones that we really like seeing aren't nominated for best picture sometimes they'll get a you know best costume or or action not a action uh cgi or whatever you can't tell me that endgame one of the highest grossing movies of all time seen multiple times by most people didn't deserve some kind of award something if avatar can win some shit endgame can win some shit. i think endgame deserved best screenplay yeah best adapted screenplay that seems fair to me because it was a three-hour movie, check. It was based on a, a property in literature, check. Um, but because it's all popcorny and fun to watch, suddenly the, the Academy fucking hates it. Well, you know what's interesting is that 52% of winning movies come from the same six studios. And if you add in big studios like MGM and stuff, mm-hmm. that number goes to 81%. Jesus. That's a lot of movies nominated from the same place. You can't tell me that the Oscars aren't rigged. And so when people are like, well, the Oscars, they're not doing as well. I think last year it was a 20% decrease in people that watched the Oscars. Because they know that the shit that they like watching aren't going to get nominated. Who cares? The Oscars has no one but itself to blame for its downfall. When the Oscars inevitably either implodes or just completely changes itself, it is no one but its own fault. Because it picks shitty movies. Just to go through it quickly, the 50s belong to westerns, the 60s belong to musicals. There have been two um, six-year stints in which R-rated movies were the only ones who won Best Picture. But they weren't horror movies. No, they were all for things like language and sexuality, you know, violence, right? Um, but you can only show a certain kind of sexuality. Mm-hmm. You can't be showing ladies having pleasure. That's not a thing that Brokeback all- Mountain got nominated. But it didn't win. Right. But you look at things like mafia movies win a lot, war movies win a lot, but all in all, 
It's drama. Well, if you look at the kind of movies that win a lot, it's movies that old white people like. When was the last time you were like, I want to go watch a war movie? Never. Exactly, because that's stuff our parents or our grandparents The like. last war movie I was excited to go see in theaters was Captain America the First Avenger. I was going to say Wonder Woman. Ooh, no, you're right. I was excited for Wonder Woman. That's true. <laughs> but, like, we're talking about old war movies. That's, like... Yeah, we didn't go see Dunkirk... Or 1918. We didn't even, hell, we didn't even go see American Sniper. No, and it's about the guy who's from my hometown. I didn't know that's where he was from. Yeah, Chris Kyle's from Odessa. Overall, like, you look at the Oscars and you're like, are these movies that we enjoy seeing? Sometimes, maybe once in a while, but are these the ones that bring us to the theater over and over again? Is it your Godzilla's? Is it your Star Wars? Is it your Batman? Of course not. I'm sorry, but they're like, well, those movies aren't good. Avengers Endgame makes me cry every time I watch it, and if that isn't a sign of a good movie, then I don't know what it is. And Joker got nominated, but that's because it was over-dramatized. It was, it, it was Oscar bait. It the Joker was Oscar bait. You're right. It wasn't comic booky. It did not look like the Joker in Batman comics. No. And I will, I a hundred percent think that that movie is not a Batman movie. That is a movie about someone with mental illness and that should never have been classified as the joker yeah it it was something completely outside of batman it would have still worked as a movie but yeah like you look at these movies as a whole and the oscars as a whole and at least you and me can agree that the ones that are the most fun and worth watching like we're gonna go see mortal kombat soon Mm-hmm. You think Mortal Kombat's going to get an Oscar nom? No. Why not? Maybe special effects. Well, because it's based on a video game, because it's going to bring a lot of people to the theaters, and because it's not written as a biography in the 40s starring Hugh Jackman. It's what it is. We're ready for the Oscars. We're ready to see some disappointments. We're not going to watch. No, we'll look, we'll look at the list after. We're never watching Mink. No, we're never <laughs> finishing it. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter the- at, at RealRomanceUCPN. Uh, also on TikTok and uh, Instagram at Real Romance, Real Romance Pod at gmail.com. Or if you want to follow us on Twitter, I'm at Banting Bob. And Brittany on Instagram is at BookNerd528. Um, but I think the music is playing us off now, so oh. it's time to go. Okay. P- please uh, follow Undercover Capes. And uh, we love you, Al. And we'd like to thank God. And bye, everybody. <laughs> Why do they always think God? God did nothing to make your movie. Because they can't go on and be like, I thanked the devil for this Oscar. If I ever get nominated for anything, I'm going to be like, I thank devil for this. Lil Nas X is like, I'd like to thank Satan for this Oscar. (laughs) Okay. It'd be an Emmy. Mm. No, no, it'd be a Grammy. (laughs) Yeah, that's the one. We'll get there. Okay. Bye, everybody. Bye. Keep it real. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Romance Season 3. Remember to follow us on all of our social media accounts and our affiliates at Undercover Cakes Podcast Network and Comic Crusaders.